What does it take to reach your ultimate business goals, your outcomes? Here on the Tactic Podcast, we are your team of like-minded business executives dedicated to motivating and helping you take action, adapt, and grow so you will realize your ultimate potential. Find out what's next from those who are already living it, your peers who have been there and done that with practical, tactical actions that will help you align towards your ultimate outcome, goals and intermediate steps, and the mile markers along the way that will help you get there. Welcome to the latest Tactive Deep Dive. In a deep dive, our experienced operating executives meet with a business owner and delve into the most pressing issues that that company is experiencing right now. Then they go beyond the surface, they dive deep and explore the roots and causes of the issues in order to provide several strategic and practical tactical recommendations to be implemented right away. So without any further ado, let's get into today's Tactive Deep Dive. Welcome to our Deep Dive. Hi, I'm John Kaminsky, and I'll be moderating today's session. You know, every business owner or CEO has experienced a feeling of being lonely at the top. Our Deep Dive series is designed to bring expert counsel to CEOs with a challenge where they'd like input from experienced business owners who've walked the trail before. Today, we're going to talk with John Plesh from Electric Pen. But first, let me introduce our panel. First, we have Joseph Layeth. Joseph's with One Accord and is an expert when it comes to organizational agility. In fact, he's written two books on the subject. He's got a great background in healthcare, government, and high tech. Next, let me introduce Nils Bundy. Nils founded Brainforce, which is a digital marketing agency based in Chicago. Nils also was a co-founder of Spicewater Beverage Company. He's an expert when it comes to transformational leadership and multi-channel product sales. Got a great background in technology, healthcare, higher education, and government. Scott Evans is an expert when it comes to sales. That's sales strategy, national accounts, sales training, you name it. When it's sales, it's Scott. He's worked for Bear, Colgate, and Merck, big companies. And we have Richard Brune, another expert when it comes to sales, multi-channel sales product development. He was the one that brought the Victorinox luggage line to the market. He's got a background with REI and, and Swiss Army Victorinox. Welcome to all our panelists. We have in our hot seat today, uh, John Pletch, who is the founder and CEO and owner of Electric Pen, which is a company doing digital marketing. And so welcome. Glad you could join us today, John. Thank you. If we could, John, if you can start and just give us a little bit of a background on the company. Yeah, thank you, John. I've been in business for going on 23 years, started out of the garage at my house. So it was, uh, in some ways, a typical startup, uh, bootstrapped startup. It started out as the first designer in electric pen and uh, built over the 22 years, added a few people, lost a few people, added a few more people. Uh, and in conjunction with that, added a few clients and a few more. Um, and over the years, have gotten to the point where uh, we are today, which is 10 people uh, servicing a broad array of clients from uh, uh, multi-billion dollar companies to uh, small to medium-sized businesses. Tell us a little bit about the types of work that you provide for your clients. We're a, a design and marketing agency. That's the way that I would typically phrase it. And diving deeper into that story, what that means for us is creating brands and applying those brands to uh, every conceivable marketing tool that one might use to um, uh, message your company out to your prospective clients and customers. In addition to that, we also help our clients with marketing, both 
from a strategic and planning perspective, but also the tactical. So from practically speaking, that means that we might create a marketing plan and then help execute that marketing plan by, for example, if if part of that plan would be to, to roll out a, a social media campaign, we would develop content and uh, the channels, uh, targeting channels, then actually building the content and rolling it out to the various uh, social media channels. How has COVID impacted you? I've learned to, you don't sit on your hands when when something when a downturn happens, and so I moved very quickly. Um, and again, one through hard, painful lessons in the past, not through any intelligence that I possess. It's more just uh, you know getting getting uh, hit across the head one too many times. Where now I duck. <laughs> one of the goals that I had uh, moving through this was to hold on to the people that we have we have over the course mm -hmm. of the years. Um, We've, we've developed an orientation to hiring culture, and the team that we've got on board is so rock solid. Their skill set is spectacular, and frankly, um, I care about them as human, human beings, and I don't, I, I don't, not, you know, if we were in a situation where we had to lay people off, we'd do that, obviously. Um, we don't, wouldn't do anybody any good if we went belly up, but um, I have a passion for holding on to people that we have. And so that's been an objective that I set from, for myself and the business coming into this situation, if at all possible, um, and doing, doing my best to, to manage us through that process with the choices that we make. That's great. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about uh, the, the situation in front of you and, and the help that we can provide for you today. Yeah, that great question. And actually, I would say that the challenge that we face is the same challenge that I faced two years ago, four years ago, 10 years ago. Um, it seems like it's, with, with, with just a few exceptions in the life of the business, we have just enough uh, deal flow coming through to um, uh, just 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 north of our cost line. And um, I would really, and that, that has some business implications that I would like to see changed. Uh, I would like to see the deal flow increase and our, our utilization rate of the team increase, our revenues increase, and be able to pay our team more. We're in a very competitive environment in Seattle but also I think in general, uh, just looking at the salary data across the nation, I would love to see our salaries increase, compensation across the board for our team increase uh, because I've got some fantastic people and I, I, they, I would like to see them with more money in their pocket. But that all goes back to, to deal flow, it starts there. And um, that's always been a challenge though. I, uh, and a couple, uh, a year and a half ago, we actually hired our first marketing person and she's been working for a year and a half with our social media channels, building out our new website and working on a, a campaign that we just launched to LinkedIn, focusing on a particular product, a, a deliverable that we, uh, we offer clients. But uh, at the end of the day, I would, Really love to see that uh, get get some traction, and but also increase deal flow and and ultimately revenues and and, uh, and to put more pe money in the people uh, in our team's pockets. When did you start that campaign? 
um, from a marketing perspective, we've had things going on for the last year and a half. The campaign with LinkedIn started a couple weeks, two weeks ago. Okay. We've been, we've been creating it for the last three months. Let's open it up to the rest of the panel. What are the questions that we got that we can well, ask? I'd like to start off, if you don't mind, John. What, what is your revenue model? That's a great question. Uh, we are a client service oriented shop and that directly relates to how we, we, uh, how we bill, uh, our clients and I guess what you'd call our revenue model. Some clients, they orient to retainer. And so we're on retainer with them. Some clients orient to, uh, hourly and some clients orient to project. So really, you know, any given client, we, we might have a completely different model and we morph and change based upon the client needs because some of the clients are very large and if we are in a uh, and we're in a very competitive space so if we push back or try and impl uh, try and um, structure any particular revenue model we might have a harder time in my opinion landing clients um, and also what for us most, what are your most profitable clients Retainer. And what percentage of your clients are retainer hourly project? Revenue, I would say 60%. Are, are what? Revenue, are a retainer. Okay. And what percentage? Maybe, maybe not that much, maybe, maybe 50%. And then with the uh, um, 20% being hourly and 30% being project. Okay. Our clients that are hourly are also repeat. So, um, and let's see if we if we add up those numbers. I think I said twenty percent, twenty percent hourly. Yeah, and fifty percent uh, retainers. So that's seventy percent of our clients would be repeat business, and then some smattering of the thirty percent even would be repeat. So we have a lot of a lot of clients actually that are repeat clients. It's just winning, winning every. It is so difficult. Uh, at least I found it to be so difficult to win a client. There's so I maybe it's just that I'm a lousy salesman, but but for all the activity that I that I um, create for business development, it just it does not net a lot of uh, you know many sales. Hey John, is are some clients more profitable or higher margin clients, and does it skew with larger companies, smaller companies, or is there anything to that as far as customers that are more profitable? Yeah, Scott, great question. Definitely. Um, larger companies, by and large, are more profitable. And also, some categories of work are more profitable than others. Like what? Um, yeah, well, which one? Website development is more profitable, definitely more profitable. Uh, executive presentation is absolutely more profitable. Hmm. Uh, branding is not profitable. Branding, we tend to lose our shirts in. Why? Why is that? I'm just curious. I, I think it's because that that project category is so central to the identity of the company or, or slash business that um, there are a lot. There's a lot more pay attention paid to that project type, and uh, people on the on the client side are a lot more invested in the outcome of that project type. So there's a lot more hand-holding, there's a lot more second guessing, there's a lot more hand-wringing and, sure. uh, 
anxiety around the decisions and the process that lead up to the result that we're delivering. Do you, do you charge enough for that service then? No. Don't charge enough, can't charge enough. Because the kind of, yet, yet. Um, I think, and that's, this is, of course, just my opinion, but uh, um, I think in order to, once you're known for that product category and word begins to get around that you're excellent at, that, at a particular product category, I think your ability to charge more uh, increases. Um, and there are some categories that we can, we can charge premium for because we are known for that with, uh, and referred for that within the clients that we're getting referred to. Um, web development and executive presentation, are there others? Yeah, yeah. I think that the executive presentation is one that is at the top of the list, definitely. Highest profitability. Yeah, it's profitability, but also what we're known for in uh, within certain uh, groups of people. Um, but branding, branding, not so much. Like, for example, I think that in order to uh, be successful and be able to charge enough for branding, we'd probably need to be selling that um, deliverable to clients that had triple digit millions, like probably half a billion on up. But when you get into that range of client, they're probably going to be looking for a different firm than Electric Pen to do that work. So we end up we end up in the small to medium sized business range. Mm -hmm and budgets there are tighter. And no matter how you, how excited you make the client about what you're gonna provide, they just have so many dollars to apply to that right. kind of project type. And at the same time, on the other side, a certain level of anxiety around the project type and, and level of stakes that they have in that project. And so all in all, it just makes it really challenging to, to be profitable within that particular category. Quick question on the executive presentations. Is that simply doing the presentation or is that doing it, working with the executive and helping them and coaching them to then give the presentation? Most of what we do is, a lion's share of what we do is uh, brand presentations and animate presentations, essentially take content and storyline and then apply the visuals that, that will make uh, it become attention getting and underscore the point that the executive's trying to make with that particular slide. Uh, okay. That, but that, that being said, we've got several partners that we don't have the skill set internal to coach executives, but we do work with partners back and forth that do have that ability because we do have speech writers and consultants okay. that hire us to do that kind of work as far as you know the the design aspect of it and so we definitely have had opportunities in the past where we've partnered with them to bring them into a project and have them okay. a, a coach and, and write those executive presentations do those typically come from someone you already have a relationship with or because i'm thinking that most executives when they need help with a presentation they don't go out looking for somebody to help with that. They go to somebody they already know. Is that true? Yes. Okay. So you that's that's not your entry point, but it is the cherry on top uh, when you get those for an existing client. Yes. When we get contacted by by uh, comp larger companies in the staff categories that I mentioned, 
I think there's numbers of things that drive their decision or on wanting to move forward with us. Um, the length of time that we've worked in that this particular category is meaningful. The experience that we have is meaningful. So when you know we've we've done thousands of presentations for. I could list you executives that, that are household names that you would know that we work for. So when I when I and uh, when I start dropping those names and start talking about the experience that we have, it's reassuring. I think I think it's reassuring to the to the people who are looking to hire us that you know we have the we have the experience to pull off what they need done. Also, and this is just. Um, you know, when you, when I start talking with people and uh, I get a sense for what resonates with them, uh, the, our orientation towards being very client focused resonates mm-hmm. because when when you're working with a C-suite executive and you, you don't want somebody who is designing your presentation to create drama, <laughs> to create more issue. You just want somebody to solve the problems in the most efficient way possible and be, be a good client service person to the, the exec. You certainly don't want them uh, to have uh, be, uh, behave in a way that uh, is opposite to having a high emotional intelligence quotient. Um, so, you know, we, we orient to, to eliminating the dr- drama that can happen and supporting the exec in the best way possible and delivering on the objectives that they're trying to hit. Is there a particular industry that you target? Because I know you've worked with, uh, you have a wine company. I know there's attorneys, Microsoft, DocuSign. There's a lot of different. Is there a particular area that you target? And secondarily, is there an area that you want to target? Um, And I guess that kind of, it could be for the, executive presentation it could be for website development whatever it is but i'm curious if there is kind of a niche you go after yeah uh there is i think in in a certain sort of way um currently we cast so one of the questions you asked scott is uh, where do we currently target and historically it's wherever the opportunity it feels a little bit like i've got a blindfold on and i'm swinging at a pinata because i want to get the utilization up as much as possible which means increased revenue um the risk with that is sometimes those projects end up costing us money uh more often than not they might but but i'm still you know we've got the utilization on that still i'm still swinging at it where do we want to target the client that we have probably the most track record with done the most work for is the the most profitable it's all tech large tech uh, i've been at this for 23 years and uh i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of done with what i feel is subsist- subsistence you know kind of done with being stuck in this place and um feeling stuck in this place and want to want a different reality so targeting the exact client that is the most profitable makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense to me that we have a track record with and have a story to tell. That just that completely makes sense. And so what do you do that differentiates you from others that do that? This is the challenging question when you ta- start talking about professional services, because really, if you go if you go out to a dozen design firms in Seattle, we do pretty much 
I could point you, uh, John, I could suggest that you work with a number of design agencies in town, and I would feel completely secure that you're going to get a fantastic result. So we can't we can't differentiate on the work. Uh, the work is table stakes, in my opinion, especially when you start when you're working for uh, executives. So we purposefully, but also from my from my heart, I feel, I care really I care immensely about our clients. I care about our employees, and I would I would not feel good unless about what we're doing unless we're taking care of the people that walk through our door, figuratively speaking, to hire us. I want to be I want to go home at night feeling proud of the work that we did, uh, that we gave it our all, and um, and serve the client in a way that let them hopefully they feel like we care about them and we want the best for them whether it be a partner or whether it be a client um so for us we we uh um uh vigorously push on client service we're constantly talking about client uh, client service and that's you know that's the title but there's so many different initiatives that we push on inside the firm from creative work to the way we invoice to the way we manage the projects, um, to the way we anticipate, anticipate, anticipate our clients' needs. Um, so um, really for us, the drive has been around uh, uh, client service. And that, uh, I don't know if you saw our website, but uh, our, we have a tagline that came up with years ago, dramatic results without the drama. Uh, we wanna produce a, a spectacular result, but in a way that's easy for our clients to engage with us and have delivered back to them uh, the, a tool that works spectacularly in a way that makes them happy that they've uh, spent the, that time out of time with us. Richard, you had a question. Yes, I, I was just trying to understand, you know, the the process of delivery in terms of how you guys, you know, pull things together. It, it seems to me that you're doing a lot of things. Um, there are certain things that are more successful than others, but you know how how is that? You know, have you created something that's scalable and repeatable, or is everything a one-off? Have you have you worked to systematize your approach so that, to your point, the the delivery is table stakes? It's to focus on how do you get more of that. Richard, let me answer that in this, that question this way, because because it's a little broad. The, the effort that we've been doing, we have been systematizing and creating processes for in force probably three years now. We've got mm -hmm. um, we've we've uh, we're probably on version two slash and some version three of uh, processes that we've written and perfect. Frankly, you know, I see myself as a servant of the business. I don't really I don't care what i do um i just i at that i'd love there to be payoff someday and i don't mean monetarily although that would be great for me personally i mean feeling like uh i've, I've accomplished something i created something and it works and what i've created works very well and it uh supports a lot of people's lives and we do good for the clients that we service that makes me feel gratified i'd say it sounds like you've become a leader right as opposed to a doer you you find your passion and excitement in serving yeah. the people and that's yeah. the best the best leaders are ones that 
I'm sick. I feel good. I feel successful when I make other people successful. Mm-hmm. That's how would you describe um, the ability to expand your deal flow with the capability in terms of times like the time that you have now, which is say 20%, could you expand that to 40 and get double the amount of work or triple the amount of work or quadruple the amount of work? No. Why not? I don't, um, because I, that's not where I don't feel like I'm successful at selling. I think that the, the easiest client acquisition comes through referrals and comes through these days, our website. Um, I, can't, I, I don't feel like I can go out and try and pitch somebody and bring them in as a client. I can go establish relationships and, and know people and be known and refer and connect and network. And occasionally one of those opportunities will result in a, in a referral, but that's just, that's so, um, it's like, I can't, I can't even come up with an analogy for it. It's, it's so unpredictable about, about being able to produce something at the end of that effort. John, is there, uh, are there any industry partners per se? And I guess what I mean by this is when you're working with a client on a project, are there any other organizations that are involved in that, um, that have touch points maybe at that company as well? And if so, have you ever worked with them or tried to leverage or I guess partner so that you could spread that footprint to more companies? Yes. Uh, We've actually had tremendous success partnering with various companies. There's one company, for example, that uses that works with us that um, they are a vendor at a large. Well, I can tell you Microsoft, they're a vendor at Microsoft and um, they bring us they don't have a creative agency group within their company, but they have need of our services. Um, nor do they want to build one out at this time. Um, so anytime they come across a project opportunity within Microsoft where they need creative support, they call us. That is a very good opportunity to, to establish new paths of business is developing relationships like partnerships. Another question uh, for you, John, you know, 22 years, you, you've been building this and, and I, I can sense that that a frustration but b enjoyment of trying to it's like doing a rubik's cube like how can i how, how can i figure this out right so what is it what will it look like once you figured it out like you mentioned you know i just want to do this so that i can have a nice a good company and and serve my my clients and serve my employees but say is it in five years 10 years 20 years at what point are you gonna be like I want to step back from this, or I want to cash out from this, or I want to transition this in some way. Do you, uh, do you, is it, is it, I want to stay at about 10 people and we do the same amount of revenue. I want to get to, uh, 50 million in revenue. I want to get to hundred million in revenue and, you know, get bought up by a big, big, you know, international. So I grew up in a, in the country and, uh, I, I, um, changed pipe and was involved in irrigation and farming land when I was a kid. And one of the ways that we used to um, 
uh, irrigate farm fields was to take these pipes that had a curve to them and you'd go up to this ditch bank at the at the upper end of the field and you'd scoop the water up in the pipe and you'd quickly put your hand over one end and put it down into the into the field so the suction as the water flowed through the mm. pipe would pull the water out of the ditch bank into the field so my theory has been at some point there's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy with just like it, well, I'm mixing metaphors here, but you know, I, I, you get up to the water in the ditch bank and you start the water flow flowing in the deal yeah. flow, and there's a certain just um, fl- here I go again flywheel approach that just keeps spinning. Mm-hmm. Um, in which case, you just need to feed it a little bit with SEO, with marketing, uh, and uh, there's there's amount of deal flow that that continues it mm-hmm. feeds the business and then you just can build it to the point where from a where you're being driven by the demand side so yeah i have a i have a, an idea of what um what that might look like from a size perspective and a staffing level perspective and i think there's i think there's an my hypothesis is there's a certain efficiency of team with certain roles i don't suspect that gets beyond Gosh, if we got beyond 20 people, I would be shocked. But what I do want to do is in, is is get the team to the most efficient level where we're able to produce spectacular work uh, and um, have regular deal flow and more money coming through the firm, hiring, continuing to push the level on on the type of people that we're hiring. So we're, we're moving the bar up and um, first just keep pushing on the excellence as far as the work product and uh, delivery. All right, John, I, th- is this a deal opportunity issue or is this a sales deal closing issue? The way I'm trying to solve this now is by leveraging our current clients and building out our footprint within current clients, number one. And number two, uh, hiring marketing person full-time a year and a half ago and launching on marketing to solve the problem. So my current perspective is that uh, it's it's uh, a deal opportunity issue and to trying to solve the sales problem, which I tried for numbers of years, this would be a futility. Okay. So if you had more opportunities coming through your door, you'd be able to close them. Yes. Well, yes. They're not competitive. Which goes, to, which goes to how successful has the marketing been driving opportunities? Yeah, and that is a tough, I don't know as if we're in a position, I'm not, don't, I don't think I'm in a position to be able to judge that yet because when um, our marketing person was hired uh, a year and a half ago, we started that started us on a path that we've been working up to um, that just really has come to fruition with essentially launching our marketing campaign, which started with the, uh, about a month ago, our new website getting launched and then the LinkedIn campaign that launched a couple weeks ago. All right. But currently, you know, we're on we're we're just launching essentially marketing. Are, are you satisfied with the marketing efforts and the results? Um, not yet. 
uh, to, uh, to me, it's too early. To, unless I'm misunderstanding mm -hmm. your question, it's too early. Well, I mean, now. 18 months would seem to be enough time to get some sort of traction that's measurable, whether it's you know folks visiting your website, reading your blogs, so, some call to action in there where you'd be getting some sort of tangible evidence of uh, things that are feeding your activities around business development. I've been hoping for a more efficient process. Um, and I would not lay the feet that issue at the feet of our marketing person wholesale at all. I share, I share in the responsibility of that, um, it, at least equally. Now that we've heard all this, uh, thank you, John, for all these questions. I'd like to hear from the panelists. Uh, what have you heard? What uh, type of recommendations can we offer up for John? Uh, what we do with this for our company? Who'd like to go first? Uh, I'd like to make an overarching kind of statement. Um, and that is that right at the beginning, you said that it's, it's interesting that it's always been just enough deal flow to be just above the cost line. And I've found in, in my work that it's your, every organization, every business has systems built into it, whether they're documented or not documented. And your systems are optimized to get you the results that you are now getting. They don't accidentally get them. They're finely tuned to get those results. You may not be doing that on purpose. I'm not saying that, but they are finely tuned to get it. Don't you find it amazing that it's always been just above, even when you've grown or shrunk, it's always kept just above. It's kind of like a thermostat, right? And the thermostat is set at a certain level that's just above. And what you're wanting to do is crank it up, but that's partially, I believe is, is going to be a mindset shift that you need to crank it up and and not find just enough to be good enough. So that was my yeah. I'm very uh, can I ask clarifying questions? Sure. Yeah. What's the mind shift uh, that your mindset shift that you're talking about Joseph to to not believe that just enough is enough. And to, to always to, to, to find out what they is that level, right? Right now, I don't know that you have a percentage. I didn't hear it that this is what I'm shooting for this, this percentage of profitability or this target number, you know, this, this revenue, this EBITDA, that's gotta become like the target. And it's, it is to me, John, unacceptable to have anything else but that, right? I, and then, I, then things will start to click and you'll, you'll find opportunities that, you know, it's like, like when you um, buy a new car and suddenly you're seeing that car everywhere. <laughs> the car's been everywhere. It's just that your mind wasn't clicked into finding it. And now it is. That's good insight, uh, Joseph, because I, I, I think there's other things that maybe we can talk about um, that we can help you build on that. I mean, it does seem that 
being good is just good enough. I mean, even as you described most recently, the marketing of 18 months and where you're at now and just starting to get to, um, that's a mindset of, I think, you're accepting those results as they come along. Or um, you might even play that out with your client base. If most of your business comes from your existing business, it's, to me, there's, you know, how do you be more methodical, purposeful, and intentional with what you want and, you know, set ambitious goals. If you're in this large company or client, you know, and have one project, but you know there's five departments that could utilize what you do, you you should set a firm goal that I'm getting two of the five after I finish this one or and 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 really then put together a definitive, methodical, purposeful, intentional plan to go do that. Same thing. So kind of what I hearing Joseph say, it's like it, you know, just enough can't be good enough. It's got to be 10, 15, 20% more, and that becomes the standard. And that's a, that's going to come from you as a leader that's going to trickle down into your team. I mean, you, can, you can't allow indifference. You said the, the PMs are indifferent, you know, to getting more revenue. That, that can't be – that's not a plan for success. You've got to say, PM, you need to get X. This is my expectation. And, and by that, get them motivated to get X, right? Yeah. It's not just saying you have to do X. It's mm -hmm. getting them behind the vision. It's helping them see how what they're doing is contributing not only to their bottom line, but to the value that you deliver to the customer, to the value of this company, to the lives of the people that are in this company, how much they're contributing to that, right? Really getting them invested in the purpose and mm -hmm. the vision behind that, that will get them to raise that bar. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's a good point. Um, yeah, your website, I think, really starts to show the vision of what you have and what you offer, right? Um, it's a very clean, very straightforward. Um, and so if you, as the founder and uh, you're leading the charge of, of this vision, right, for you to be able to do that and get everybody internally on board, you get the buy-in, the belief, and the behavior, Another, you know, the three Bs. If you can get the buy-in from everybody internally, number one, you have to be very clear with that messaging, right? So it's in essence kind of doing what you're doing for your clients. Like you distilled down a great deal of information in an executive presentation. So it's quick, it's easy, it's simple. And that executive is out there and they're saying all this to a big audience and the audience walks away from like, I believe this and I'm going to change my behavior to match what that executive just told me. And so if you, as you know, if you think of yourself almost as that, as that executive in that role, you have the opportunity with your internal team to say, here's our vision. You know, I would like to grow the company X because this is going to benefit all of us. You know, this isn't just about putting it in my pocket. This isn't about just getting fancy things. This is about so we can grow and so we can really help our clients grow more, for instance, and then. If you can get that buy-in from your team, the buy-in turns into the belief, the belief turns into behavior, and pretty soon those people are actually helping you sell in further into your clients that you currently have, and maybe even doing some greenfield. Yeah, I like, uh, I like all these ideas, and I guess kind of in particular, kind of from the sales focus, uh, John, I, I, I get and I appreciate, um, you know, we all have strengths and we have interests, et cetera. 
And if, uh, if sales isn't something that you're, you're passionate about, um, you know, that's fine. But I think there, there's other ways that you can expand at the customer base you have. And I think Richard talked about, you know, basically expanding your footprint at the, at the customers that you do have. You have some very good customers. You have some great testimonials. And where you're at, there's obviously opportunity to, to get into more departments. And in particular, kind of what you're talking about as far as uh, like an industry partner, um, sounds like you have a really good one that helps you at Microsoft. Um, and there must be others within kind of that tech industry. And, and kind of furthermore, tech seems like that is the sweet spot. It seems like it's the most profitable. It's growing. It's something you have a lot of experience with. And I have to imagine if you're doing a lot of tech presentations, there's a tech community and that word gets out that you do a really nice job with that. Um, it'd be nice if there could be a, uh, a more conservative focus in that area. So in addition to everything that is going on now, there's maybe an extra conservative focus on tech executive presentations because it is profitable. You guys do a really nice job with it. And if you expand that and you're able to get the great reputation, which I'm sure you already have, then that seems like it's scalable into the other services that you can offer. So I think, I think it's all good. I think it's just kind of leveraging what you have really from a sales standpoint. The other thing, I think it really would be uh, um, beneficial to talk to your customers and find out where are they getting the leads for uh, other services that they need because it, it'd be a great tool for you to know, are they going on the internet? Is there some vehicle or venue that they utilize? Because you want to make sure you're included in that. That could be a tremendous opportunity for future leads too. You know, and just to follow on that just real quickly then, um, part of the sales process is knowing when to say no. Uh, one of the things you had mentioned earlier is, uh, you know, if anything comes in the door, just because of that for capacity and you have the capacity, you're kind of going after kind of most anything, right? Um, an idea may be to vet that potential client or that prospect or that uh, project and say, what's the cost benefit here of us going after it? The, the amount of time that it takes to do the proposals even the pitching mm -hmm. and then bringing it in and recognizing even if we do it, we're not going to make money. I'm still kind of keeping people busy. However, if you take that same amount of time and you apply it to through your marketing and through your sales, you may end up getting more and more of those clients that you do want with the bigger or the types of projects they want. That is such a scary thing to do. <laughs> uh, I am really well, not good at what, knowing when to say no. <laughs> I need to call you up when I get those opportunities. Have somebody Pop talk me down, friends. Yeah. <laughs> Which actually, that's a that's actually a. I think that's a fear-based reaction on my part too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joseph, did you have more to add? Yeah, a couple of things. One of the things um, Scott said, in addition to everything else that you're doing right now, focus on this. And I would say you probably don't have enough time for that because you're already busy. Right. And so I would say, raise your right hand and swear to me, I will never do another branding job again because they don't make you money. Right. They, they take up way tons of your time. Right. And, and I, I just don't see an upside to it for you when you could take that same amount of time and be driving people into new business. Right. 
These are other people think I'm yeah. crazy. No, <laughs> that's that. Yeah, that's that focus and saying no to even that type of project. Then, yeah. John, the other, uh, I, I had one other piece kind of going back to um, your, you know, the fact you really don't like selling. You know, I think one way to really look at it, the way I, I look at it is, um, I don't look at it so much as selling. I really look at it as serving people yeah. and helping people. And Absolutely. if, in fact, you kind of have that mindset, the, the sale will eventually come. But if you kind of go into it with the thought that, hey, I can help people, I can make their lives easier, I can make their product resonate with their customer base better or, or whatever it is and you're truly serving these people and that's where your heart is i think the sales will come so maybe just a shift in thinking yeah because you're, you're providing a beautiful one yeah the, the equation is serving is selling yeah right and earlier we talked about the benefit of the benefit right and the benefit of the benefit of your work is peace of mind and so instead of saying I'm selling, say to yourself, I'm bringing this executive peace of mind. How can I help you have more peace of mind? How can I help you, the assistant to the executive, bring more peace of mind, right? I'm, that's the, the benefit behind the benefit. So it's the what's really in it for them. John, there's a couple things. I'm going to give you a couple uh, uh, tactical ideas. Um, you mentioned that there are some firms that might partner and uh, one gets into Microsoft brings you in several times. There are other firms like that or similar uh, ancillary firms that, that might make sense and be a natural form of potential referrals, right? Um, maybe it's PR firms or maybe it's somebody who's a speech writer or uh, uh, executive coach, whatever it is, those types of folks. One suggestion is when you uh, are meeting with clients, that you have an understanding of what those roles are that have a tendency to potentially be a good referral source for you. And so ask your existing customers, who do you use for speech writing? Who do you use for PR? Who do you ask who those folks are that they use? And then ask if they like them. And if they do, ask for an introduction to them. And at the same time, if they say, no, I don't have somebody that I do that. It's like, would you like an introduction to someone? The reason is that you're building referral relationships and the currency in a referral relationship is referrals. What you're doing right here is you're probing. If they don't have someone and you say, I know a good speech writer. I know a good PR firm. Would you like an introduction? No, no, doesn't cost you anything. It, it allows you the opportunity to introduce someone and give them a referral. Do that, they start giving you referrals. So that's a way that you can help to build those partnerships in a very tactical way. Figure out what are those verticals that you should be asking about and then incorporate that as a standard part of your conversations with your existing customers. And you can even do that before they're a customer. You can do that as your first meeting with them to understand who are the other people in their sphere around the things that you do. You may know some of them. And it's like, oh yeah, I, I know that guy. Well, you may then reach out to that guy. Hey, I'm talking to Joe over at XYZ company. I, he mentioned that he knows you. What can you tell me about it? Now that may help you to secure the business as well. If nothing else, it allows you to reach out to them and say, 
hey, I'm talking with somebody that you're working with. They think highly of you, gives you the opportunity to reconnect and build that referral relationship because somebody you're both working with thinks highly of both of you, all right? So those, that's a good way to uh, probe into that. That's the tactical piece. Now, more importantly, I want to, here's what I really want you to take away from today. Some of these, the other comments were to this same standpoint. You've gotten just enough. But what, you've, what I've sensed that you are looking for is more. You're looking for more, but we don't know. We haven't defined more. That's like saying, where do you want to go? North. Okay, you can go north and you can walk. You can ride a bike. You can drive. You can fly. Depends where you're going and when do you want to be there. Now, if you want to go north, you know, you can go north from Seattle and you can be in Linwood or you could be to Bellingham. North is not motivating. It's saying we're on a slog. We don't know where we're going. We don't know when we're going to get there. We just want to go. It's very different if you say, I want to be to Whistler. December 24th. Dinner for four at 7 p.m. at the Rimrock Grill. That's something you can plan to, you know, versus just heading north. So getting clear about what success looks like. What do you want? Not, it's very clear you care very deeply about your people. And you want more for them. But more is just north. You really need to identify where you want to go and when you want to be there, then you can put together plans for how you're going to achieve that. If I told you increase utilization by 25% and whatever the accompanying revenue mark would be and therefore profit, what do I do after that? Then when you have clearly defined where you want to be when, you build together a plan to get to that. Just like you take on a project, you know you need to deliver this presentation with this level of completeness by this date, and you build a plan so that you can achieve that goal. And so it's a little bit of a different plan, but you don't have to do it all by yourself. You can involve others on your team to say, guys, this is our goal. How are we going to do it? I think it's, that is critical to being able to change that thermostat, if you will, to change that comfort level and actually achieve something different than just more than enough. Any other thoughts or questions, comments for, for John? My only question would be, so what are you thinking now? That's the next question. How's, how's this landing on your ears? Um, it resonates. Uh, I think I think the, the, the overarching and most pointed recommendation is to get very specific with the goals and direction that we're heading um, and then um, use that to inspire the team to action around their particular where they can apply leverage even though i haven't had recently um, specific idea of where we're going it's just been north if I get specific and I apply, uh, you know, some inspirational force to 
particular team members. I'm wondering still how, you know, I've, I've been taking, I've been in my head. Um, we need more business and to get more business. Uh, the, the two biggest leverage points have been marketing and the marketing activities we've, we've been doing and um, expanding, uh, getting the PMs involved in, in opportunity spotting. Uh, so even if I get very specific, how do I, how do I create a difference? What, what, how is it that we get that 25% increase? Where do we get those clients from? How does, how does that happen? See, this is, it's okay to not know those answers right now. You have to start with the goal first, and then you'll want to incorporate the team to make certain that they agree on the goal. You've got to get that buy-in. Mm -hmm. They've got to believe if you're going to change any behaviors. Mm. From there, then the, as a team, you say, how do we do this? And it's not to say that anybody, there's no silver bullet. Mm -hmm. that, that I can tell you right away. But you'll be surprised when you, you've got smart people that you care a lot about, and I'm sure they care a lot about you, and you say together, here's what we, what we want to do. We agree we can do it, but now we have to figure out how. Mm -hmm. And if some of that may be finding help, I'm not sure. But you have to start there. And the team would likely surprise you in terms of the ideas that they come up with. Um, and if, if that's not working, then you need help facilitating that process. With the team? Yes. Yes. I think also some from a really practical basis, right? But I, I talked about not doing any, more, any branding gigs, but, <laughs> uh, but, and that's part of it, but really niching down, right? We are only going to go after big tech companies to do presentations. We are going to be the known company for that and really start driving all of that SEO, all of the, the blog posts that you put out and that you then share on LinkedIn and share on Twitter or share on whatever. Everything focuses around that one thing that we become known about. And later, maybe you'll you'll branch that out, and you can have two things. Or, you know, we're known for the websites and for executive presentations. But dang, it sounds like executive presentations could really put the bill. And if you were the the company that's known for that, it would be th that would be the way you would get the people coming in, right? Because they're they're coming to you. They they would be finding you. Uh, let's summarize it up for us, John. What have you heard? And what are you going to do? I think that the, the key message that I've heard is um, a mindset shift from me um, and getting more specific about uh, defining uh, a, a, a compass bearing rather than just north. Mm -hmm. And that then feeds into figuring out what highway we're going to take or what what uh, what path we're going to traverse and how that the benefit of that is uh, inspiration 
with the team idea flow from the team, but also um, we didn't talk about this, but I'm, I'm, I'm supposing accountability that and targets uh, yeah. that we can apply to the team. Um, me being a part of that team and applying to me as well. Um, so, so I liked, uh, I resonated with uh, hearing, you know, setting ambitious goals. And uh, Richard, I really appreciate what you said about um, being methodical, purposeful, and intentional around chasing those goals. And I think that uh, being very, there's, I think there's a gift in being specific about that. I, sometimes, and pardon me shifting here a little bit um, to come maybe complaining a little bit. Uh, it seems, it seems like at the size of business that I've got, it's, it feels if we were in a war, we're right on the front line and so affected by any whim that happens. So like two years ago, had a, our lead project manager and creative director quit on the same day. Not out of spite, it's just a poor, you know, really lousy timing. And um, that just threw us into a year's worth of trying to, uh, recovering from that. Mm. But you, we get hit by those, I get hit by those issues and uh, trying to recover from that and then get back to the, getting back to the point of being specific about um, defining where we're going and inspiring the team. But I think that, that the closer to that strategy that we, the, the closer to the getting to the kernel of, of what's important and what we're doing and creating the vision that the team rallies around, that to me, that feels like there's a vibrancy that's created about that. There's um, uh, a passion that exists in that space, and, which I think is contagious to the team. And um, although you didn't sa say this, uh, my role becomes as visionary, also cheerleader and um, uh, purveyor of the excitement that can happen around the opportunities that will come of of us all getting on the same page and chasing after those very specific uh, goals, specific and attainable goals. So, um, but yeah, I really I appreciate the the little nuggets of the buy-in, belief, and behavior, and uh, um, leveraging where we're at now and working from here and um, uh, other jewels too of um, listening to clients and figuring out from them getting some intelligence about intelligence about um, how they find other agencies those ideas i thought were spectacular and um also leveraging from a tactical perspective leveraging uh, also vendor partnerships through asking clients as well uh vendors that they use and using that as a uh, and that, that's kind of like more on my side of the equation though rather than the team side but um, those are those are some helpful ideas as well with regards to how to how to build out potentially new other uh, opportunities. You you can teach other members of your team to do the same thing, to ask yep. those yeah those project managers or whoever it is that likes doing doing that. Mm -hmm. right. You could yeah. make that part of your intake. You know, mm -hmm. so those questions are on a form. You know, yeah, so that you understand that. Mm. Good tip. Yeah.
All right, John. Well, thank you very much. We uh, I hope you feel like you got some value for the last couple hours. And uh, uh, I'm glad this is Friday, and I'm glad I'm going to have time and space to actually think about this. I'm glad I don't have a work day tomorrow because I need some. <laughs> there you go. I'm actually going on a very long hike tomorrow, and this is going to be great okay. fodder for my uh, for being on that hike. Uh, so it couldn't the timing couldn't be better. And I'm so grateful to each one of you. Each I feel like I just. Uh, I got, uh, I got, I, I'm, I moved outside of the farm league and got to the big leagues and, and have the A team uh, on my side and got the opportunity. Very to kind of you. Thank a lot you. of wisdom from each one of you, except for one of you. I'm not going to say which one. But, uh. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we have uh, all of our panelists and, and John Plesch here. If you'll all come on back live, uh, start your videos and your. Uh, we'll be able to answer some some questions, and we've had a lot of great questions that were that were posed, um, and we're going to get to all of those here in the next few minutes. Um, but first, uh, John, if you if you could start and just give us a bit of an update in terms of what's happened since uh, we had this conversation a few weeks ago, what have you done, and uh, give us the update. Thanks, John. Yeah, I'd ha be happy to. Uh, I think with the the, the oh, it's it, first of all, it's really interesting to to see the the video after spending time talking with you all. It's a good refresher. Um, but the things that we launched that I launched in particular was had to do with being very specific about what we are doing. Number one and number two, uh, mindset shift on on my part. But we um, I've targeted targeted a revenue uh, number and identifying activity uh, to support that objective. Um, also have been in touch with our CFO, who uh, is a consulting CFO and bookkeeper and working on mapping specific activities back to budget uh, for 2021. Um, and also now uh, team and I are having conversations, have had numbers of conversations in leadership uh, at Electric Pen around profitable service categories and uh, moving our focus towards those. Uh, also empowering and delegating aspects of our objectives back to the team. For example, one of the, one of the ways that we're, I'm getting very specific about uh, applying uh, goals, objectives, and numbers to what we're doing is identifying particular uh, clients that we want to expand our footprint on within and identifying uh, a revenue target for that particular client, empowering the PMs and holding them accountable to that particular target, but also hiring with, uh, uh, in the process of hiring a consultant who has done this sort of activity and has been successful uh, within the PM role of expanding business footprint within the company that she worked at. So, um, and then uh, finally, uh, uh, so with training, training the aspects, to training the team to be able to be successful on the object, objectives that we've set. Uh, and then, you know, as far as my role, cheerleading support and holding the, uh, the team accountable. That's great. That's fabulous. Sounds like you're making some great progress there. Well, the last month, I, I hope so. And I'm looking forward to 2021. Although the first, I have a feeling the first half of that's going to be uh, COVID crazy still. Yeah, I'm, hope, <laughs> I'm well, hoping for it. 
We've had a number of good questions that came up. Uh, one of them real quick, uh, Ivan asked, what's a healthy P&L for your business? What, what should we be looking at numbers wise? What is a healthy profit and loss for my business? Um, I don't, I don't understand. Can you, uh, what, what, what profit margin, what, a profit, profit margin? margin? A profit oh margin. gosh. That's a really good question. Um, and I, I don't frankly know the answer to that. I could guess, uh, I think it probably a healthy profit margin would be north of 20% south of 30. Okay. Uh, currently, you know, it, it, it has, uh, been just north of cost. So yeah, we've covered that before, but. Okay. Um, and then there was another question about where's the common entry point for clients. And I think we answered a lot of this, uh, but Randall was asking, you know, where, where do we get most of those introductions? And I think you, how would you say that to, today? Define that as most common beyond word of mouth. Beyond word of mouth. You know, it's interesting. So we've been doing a lot of work on our, on our website, as we talked about uh, last time. But um, we actually have landed a very significant client this fall from a web search. Okay. They, ser they searched for uh, uh, an agency. They found our website. We had initial calls. We actually were brought in as a vendor and now are engaging in multiple aspects of, of supporting them from a business perspective, which is a huge win. And uh, I think um, a feather in the cap of our marketing person for all the work that we've been doing for uh, search engine optimization, building out the new website and, uh, and the articles we've been writing. Fabulous. Yeah. There were a couple questions about conversion rates and, and are we play, put, focused on the right things uh, et cetera. I think most of those got answered during the, the session. Um, did, when you narrow down and you think back to what you heard, what you, uh, you know, having thought about it, where do you think you should be spending your time? Where should you be focused? Um, I think on, um, creating reasonable, attainable objectives and uh, empowering and cheerleading the team and accountability and uh, um, delegating, you know, delegating as much of uh, uh, as much activity that is busy work that doesn't take somebody who's looking at the compass and looking at the horizon and, and making adjustments on the wheel, the ship. Right. So, okay. Leader leadership. Good. Do, do you have any overseas clients or anything to do with uh, diversity that you need to, that you're focused on? We don't have overseas clients. Okay. All right. Um, there were a couple questions that uh, Ivan was say, saying, hey, from the experts, how can we overcome closing objectives? What are some smart tips? Uh, Richard, you got any suggestions on that? Yeah, I guess my first thing, and I always tell people that objections really need to be viewed as um, a request for more information. So uh, the follow-up is, you know, asking clarifying questions around um, where the customer really is. And just a quick example, you know, if they don't like the color of something, it's like finding out, well, what color do they want and can you provide that uh, would be a really quick example, but I think that's what keeps the conversation going. Too often folks will take objections as no, and 
And I would say in selling, it's not. It's a request for more information. And you need to follow up with good open-ended and close-ended questions. Great. Scott, would you add anything to that? Coming off mute there. Oh, you're muted again. You're still muted, Scott. There you go. Good. Yep. Uh, hey, thanks. I would agree with Richard. Uh, my philosophy is selling begins when the customer begins asking objections. That's truly when selling begins. The only thing I would add to that is you're not going to be the only one on uh, each sales call. There's going to be different people. So if you kind of have a process of sorts and you determine what typical objections are, and if it is something that's common, you have some kind of process that the different salespeople can use so that they can overcome those objections. Uh, some of them, you know, what, 80, 90% are going to be pretty common. They're going to be ones you've heard before. It could be based upon price. It could be based upon turnaround time. And there's different ways you obviously want to handle that. So I just say a lot of the objections could really um, be predetermined as far as how you're going to answer them. So I think, uh, as Richard said, it really is um, great that they ask objections because the shows are interested. It's just that's really when you start selling. Great. great. That's a great point, Scott. I just want to emphasize you're right. I mean, like price, right, is a, usually a big objection because the reality is people don't understand what they don't understand. So in the absence of information and education, we price quite often. So becomes a, a key key factor. And if you're able to address that in your presentation and establish what value is, then usually you see less objection to price because now they understand what they're getting for uh, what they're paying for. Great. You know, uh, Brian recommended a book called Built to Sell by John Warlow. Uh, it says it's very appropriate for this conversation. So I'll just throw that out there. Thank you, Brian. Um, and then we, Vitaly asked a question of. Hey, John, there's also a uh, sales webinar happening on the 8th. I'm going to put the link in the chat so everybody can sign up for that if they want to. Pivot to profit webinar. That's true. That'll be next week about this time. Pivot to prospects. Yep. That's right. Um, and so Vitaly was asking, you know, how are we motivating the employees? What's in it for them? We're increasing utilization. Uh, we're, we're increasing profits, but getting them clear about where we're going and why it's good for them is something that's important. Absolutely important. a great comment. Um, you know, it's important to know why we're doing 25% versus 35% or whatever that is. And that's part of that idea of defining North and not doing it in a vacuum doing it with your team uh, having a voice so they can be part of it. Folks, uh, we are, we're now in 11.15. We're uh, trying to close this up. We've gone a little bit longer than an hour. It's, you know, as uh, we said, when we had this conversation a few weeks back, it was two and a half hours long and that's gonna happen. Uh, we take the time when we do these to dig in and, and learn about the background, learn about the business, as you see, a number of the questions that were asked were questions that we asked of John and dove into. Um, some of those got edited out for, uh, for time's sake, um, but we would encourage all of you to uh, if you, look at Tactive. Go to Tactive.com, 
Uh, if you know of, uh, if you have a business, if you have a business and you have an issue you want to bring to the panel, uh, please, there's an opportunity to submit that there, and the panel will change according to the questions and the issues that are presented. So uh, we will assemble the expert panel to come and help whatever uh, business owners are there. So please, um, thanks so much for your attendance today. Check us out on tactic.com and we look forward to seeing you again next time. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Thanks everybody. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Bye. John, Joseph, Richard, Scott, Niall, Dills. You bet. Thank you, John, for being here. John, thanks. Bye, everybody.